Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. We're in the midst of the holiday of Hanukkah, and I hope by now you've all had some form of celebration. Hopefully you've lit candles uh, as memory of the miracle of the oil that was found in the temple so many years ago. And then there's all the fun things like eating latkes, the potato pancakes, jelly donuts, fried foods to remember the oil. Hopefully you might have had a family gathering or two. Hanukkah is just one of those holidays that I think most of us enjoy. There's just a certain warmth, a certain beauty to the lights at the nighttime, seeing all those beautiful lights. Um, It's colder, darker time of the year and seeing the lights light up the evening sky. Having reasons to get together is always such a blessing to be together with family. But what is the deeper significance of the holiday? Of course, it's wonderful to have family gatherings or friend gatherings. It's fun to eat latkes, potato pancakes and donuts and all the fun Hanukkah foods that we associate with the holiday. But there's also a much deeper, significant aspect to the holiday. We think about it, okay, there was a military victory. There were the Greeks. They were against us ideologically. There were wars, physical wars where we had to survive. But this isn't the first time in history, and this was not the last time in history, when there were these kinds of ideological wars. Let's get rid of the Jews. Let's get rid of Jewish ideology. And yet, this is a holiday that has stuck. We still still celebrate it today. Again, anyone who studies Jewish history understands this, that different versions of this have happened throughout time. Now, obviously, part of what we're celebrating is the miracles, and it's true, too. God doesn't always come through in history to save us through out-and-out miracles, the changing of nature like we have with the miracle of the oil. That doesn't always happen. So there definitely is something significant about this holiday. But there's what I want you to start thinking about is realizing is it's true. Why is this holiday still celebrated today? And the answer is because today it still has significance in every set, in every generation. There is tremendous significance if we understand the depth and the inner meaning of the holiday of Hanukkah that applies to us today. And that's exactly what I would like to explore with the rabbi is understanding, you know, the basic levels of Hanukkah, but going much deeper into understanding why is this holiday so significant that we celebrate it year after year? To what degree do the lessons from what happened so long ago apply to us today? And how can we enter this holiday of Hanukkah with much more depth and much more meaning and come through beyond the latkes, the potato pancakes, and the jelly donuts, and again, the joyful times come beyond, but really internally build ourselves up from the message of the holiday. When we return, Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Hello 
and welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. We are in the holiday of Hanukkah, and I think that Hanukkah is just one of those holidays that everybody really enjoys. There's just something special about it, about the lights, it's the middle of the winter, the darkness, family togetherness time. There's a lot of nice uh, feelings connected to Hanukkah. But in addition to the celebrations and the latkes and the beauty of the lights and the candles, what is this deeper significance of Hanukkah that we're supposed to really be touching on and immersing ourselves in and coming through with? What is the message of Hanukkah that it's a holiday that after so many years is still celebrated today? Yes, great. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. There's two, uh, two themes going on in Hanukkah. One is a military victory. Uh, the Greeks uh, basically took over uh, our our country and began to make uh, our tradition forbidden. They targeted uh, a number of specific things in our tradition that they made uh, illegal. They targeted Shabbat. Uh, they targeted circumcision. Um, and uh, a couple other things maybe we'll get to a little bit later, but uh, what happened is... Uh, Matitiao the Maccabee and his five sons decided, although it's an outrageous decision, that they would fight against the mighty armies of the Greeks. And after three years of guerrilla warfare, they actually won and were able to take back uh, reign in the country and restore and rededicate the temple that was desecrated by the Greeks. So that was the military victory. But then there's something else going on here, which actually seems to take more of a center stage, which is when they went into the temple, they wanted to rekindle the menorah. And the menorah has to be kindled with olive oil that is pure, uh, spiritually pure. And, and they have like containers with, with uh, supervision, you know, like kind of like a closed container sealed with the supervision of the high priest, and the, um, they only found one canister of oil that was, that was still um, pure, spiritually pure. It still had the seal, which means that the Greeks had such a disgust for the Jewish people that went around opening up all, all our canisters to, to make them, to defile them. Just shows you how much they hated what we were about. So the Jewish people found... Uh, this one little canister of oil and would only light for one day and it would take eight days to create new oil. Well, they lit that canister anyways, and it let for eight days, which is miraculous. And um, so that's the, uh, the second miracle that happened, a, a military miracle, but Nothing supernatural happened there. It was still a war, but extraordinary that such a small band could beat such a big army. But then something quite supernatural, which is you have this uh, these lights miraculously going for eight days. Uh, so uh, now the question is, why is the, uh, the light story so central? It's a good question, because really, as you're pointing out, there are two miracles. So when we talk about that Hanukkah, maybe this is one of the reasons why we like it so much. It's the holiday of miracles, but the, the lights is supernatural, goes against nature. And the military victory, I mean, 
Granted, it's not common for a few to win against many, especially talking about those numbers. But theoretically, I'm sure you could find some way to explain how it happened within the natural realms. Exactly. So um, let, let's. I, I think the 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 reason why the candle story takes such center stage because it's actually tied into the war. Uh, the war it is a symbol of the ultimate victory of the Jewish people, because it wasn't just simply a military uh, conflict. There was a conflict philosophically. There was a conflict culturally, and the in this miraculous uh, uh, lighting of oil uh, is the symbol of the, the 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 victory culturally and philosophically. What is the difference? See, the Greeks believed that the world always existed. It was not created. And it was, and it's founded on wisdom. Wisdom and logic is the principles that run the natural world. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, you don't, not po- a miracle is just not possible. A miracle is something irrational. A miracle is something that's never happened before. According to the Greeks, uh, the world always existed. Nature always was, is, and always will be. And the laws of nature are the laws of what has to be. And something like this just can't happen. In terms of history, they believe that history was an inevitable story, that the past pushes the present towards the future and determines it. And history is an inevitable process. And again, don't expect any kind of radical, strange, you know, uh, direction or detour happening in history. And they believed that there were gods, but they didn't believe that these gods had any interest in the affairs of human beings. And, uh, and so these gods would never intervene on behalf of these human beings. So you already get the picture over here. They, they, they singled out Shabbat, because Shabbat is a day that we testify that the world is created and the world is not founded upon wisdom or logic. It's founded upon the spontaneous will of the creator who did it for no reason, didn't have to do it. Uh, The world of nature is everything in nature is what has to be. If you drop a drop of ink into water, it has to dissolve. And nature is the world of what has to happen. And, uh, but according to uh, our tradition, God created the world as a spontaneous act of will. It's an act of, of kindness. Kindness is you do something you don't have to do. It's an act of love. Love is not something you have to do. Uh, then they went against uh, circumcision because circumcision is a testimony that we have a partnership with God. And that's absolutely despicable to them. Like, that's ridiculous to have a partnership with God. And it's also disgusting that you would change nature, you know, by, by some kind of surgical removal uh, of, of the circumcision. And so that was disgusting. And then uh, they were very disturbed about the way we determine our calendar because the Jewish calendar is the lunar calendar. It goes according to the moon. And the beginning of the month is determined by a witness uh, or two witnesses, actually, that come in and say, I just saw a sliver of the moon beginning. 
And if the testimony lines up, then the court says, oh, okay, so today will be the first day of the month. But if nobody comes in to testify or they do testify, but their testimony is not accepted, uh, then the next day would be the first of the month, which means that we are partners in determining time. Again, an idea that the Greeks absolutely could not accept, that there would be, that, that there'd be a, a partnership between man and God determining time. Uh, so uh, that's why they targeted specifically these three areas, as well as they targeted the study of Torah. They made Torah study forbidden, yet they themselves had uh, the Torah translating to Greek. And that's kind of weird. Well, that's because they valued the book as a book of wisdom, but not a book of revelation of God seeking a relationship with man. And so, uh, so based on their, their, their principles, miracles are impossible. And it was summed up really well by Albert Einstein, although not talking about Hanukkah or Jews or Hellenists. Hmm. He said, there's two ways of looking at the world. Either everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. And the Jews see everything as a miracle. Even nature is a miracle. I mean, if the candles lit for eight days, then we should celebrate really seven days because the first day was natural. So the miracle is really seven days. So some explain, but even nature is a miracle. Um, we believe everything's a miracle, and the Hellenists believe that there's nothing's a miracle. Nature rules supreme, and we live in a world of what has to be, and, uh, and nothing unusual, extraordinary, radically different is going to happen. What's so fascinating about what you're sharing is you spoke about the miracle of the military victory, which were, there were military wars, but here we're talking about major ideological wars, and in a sense, there's the military side that physical side of, okay, our physical survival, but there's this ideological side of trying to destroy the value system and the moral fiber of what Judaism stands for. And to a great extent, then I really see a tie-in between the military victory, but also the, the, um, the oil that was found, the miracle of the oil is also almost like an ideological victory of the war against the ideology. Exactly. That, those candles are really the, 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 the ultimate victory that the, uh, Greeks are wrong, that uh, everything is a miracle. Well, I guess, again, as you were explaining that when everything nature, it always has been, always will be, it's just some sort of peg in a system that this is just how it works. Um, it, it, you know, it's so interesting when you live in a time and to a degree, you know, there's certain value systems that I think the world shares with the Torah, but there's certain value systems which are very anti-Torah. And so this, there's such relevance and understanding. There's this struggle when you have an ideology of what the Torah says is truth, and when you're living in opposition to what world or science says is truth, there's a real challenge. It continues to this day. Right. The question is, and maybe we'll get to it uh, in our next segment, but why does this bother them so much? You know, like, so what? So we have our way of looking at things. They have their ways. What difference does it really make? Hmm. And that would be a perfect place to pick up when we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Soul Talk. We are Amanda with Rabbi David Aaron, getting a real understanding of what are we celebrating over the Hanukkah holiday. And there's significance of understanding what happened so long ago and realizing how so much of it still goes on today. But as you were explaining, you know, there's a big difference in ideology and the Greeks were really set out to destroy. They chose the specific mitzvot of Shabbat, of circumcision, of um, Rosh Chodesh declaring the new month specific mitzvot that were to destroy because of ideology, a real significant difference of how do you see the world? How do you see reality? Is there a God? What did the world always exist? And as you asked right before the break, what is the difference? Like, why is this so significant? Why were they so out to have to destroy? Why can't, couldn't the Greeks just say, okay, they believe differently than we do. Why did it have to become this war of ideologies? Uh, I believe that what's lingering underneath all this is a, um, a subconscious desire to obliterate the message of the Jewish people that you are not completely free to do whatever you feel like doing. You see, if I, if I think that nature always was, is, and always will be, well, then I belong to the world of nature. And in the world of nature, the survival of the, physic, the fittest is what uh, reigns supreme. Uh, our ideology is having a direct impact on ethically how people should behave. Uh, in, in, in the, 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 you know, they had orgies and in their minds, uh, you know, nature rules supreme and you should follow your nature. You should do what comes natural. I mean, people think, oh, that's really a beautiful way to think do what always comes natural. But, you know, there's a lot of things in the world that are natural that isn't so good. And it reminds me of what Hitler said in Mein Kampf, why he so much hated the Jews. He said, we are barbarians and we are proud of it. It's the Jews that have inflicted two wounds on mankind, conscience on his soul, circumcision on his body. Uh, the Jews are ones that have claimed that man can transcend himself, surpass himself, but he can't. This war is a deception. There's really only one war. It's between the Germans and the Jews. In other words, Hitler wow. really understood the Jews incredibly well, that we are what I would call great party poopers. You know, you want a party? Well, having us around. It reminds you that there's a higher authority that we're all accountable to, and we can't just do what we feel like doing, and we cannot idolize nature, but sometimes we need to, you know, go beyond our nature. And so God does a miracle showing that he goes beyond nature and that nature does not rule supreme. 
So I don't think this is just simply an ideological thing and you have your philosophy, I have mine, but your philosophy is undermining uh, the way our society works and the way we have fun. Well, what you're bringing to light with the quote from Hitler is that this, uh, I mean, even just in very recent history, the, the Hanukkah story happened a long time ago, but it's not that long ago that Hitler is truly um, with the same mission of destroying the Jew and the Jewish presence and the Jewish ideology, morals, values, and both it was physically destroying the Jewish nation and destroying the message of the Jewish nation. And that is recent, very recent history. Um, we see what happened and the terrible destruction that happened from that. So the meaning this, this fight against the Jewish nation continues today. So when we're lighting these Hanukkah candles and celebrating the miracles and in real sense, we're also celebrating not just the miracles that happened so long ago, that, but the miracles that continue to happen, that, that there's any Jews that are still here to light these candles and make this declaration. Right. Well, we do want to, there is a distinction though. The Greeks weren't out to, to gas the Jews and annihilate their physical presence. They wanted to annihilate their philosophical and they were happy for the Jews to join the Hellenists and become Hellenists. Whereby Hitler, after all those years, realized that even if you destroy the Jewish tradition, the soul of the Jew will reignite the values of Judaism. And that was extraordinary. He already saw that the power of, of, of the Jewish people is not just in their tradition, but it's the DNA of their souls. And even if you went ahead and destroyed their tradition, somehow they would they would still impact society because it's in their DNA. Um, but yeah, the, um, you know, uh, Hitler hit it on the head. The Jews are the conscience of the world. Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, he said, there's two types of people in the world. There's strong people and there's weak people. Strong people do what they want, when they want, where they want. They're strong. The weak people, they're weak, but they're smart. And they invented morality to make all the strong people feel so guilty that they're strong. And who are the weak people that invented morality to make everybody feel guilty? It's the Jews. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting. The word Zion has in it Greece. Zion is tzadik, yud vav nun. Yud vav nun is the word Yavan, which is Greece. Interesting. And Zion is has tzadik. So, the tzadi is a hint to the tzaddik, to the righteous. If Greece would let the righteous lead, then Greece would have done incredible things because the Greeks were working on science and, and they're working on art and music. And all that's beautiful as long as it's within the context of the moral values and the vision of the Jewish people. And that's actually what it says in the Torah. You know, the Greeks come from um, one of the descendants of Noah, which is called Yafit. And, uh, and, and also from Noah came Shem. And the Torah says that Yafit has to be in the tent of Shem, meaning Shem should be the context uh, for Yafit. But when Yafit decides that Shem is not going to, you know, is not going to be the context of our behavior and that we are subordinate, to the bigger picture of shame, that's when it's going to be a problem. So we're all for science and music and technology. And when you think about it, isn't that what happened in Germany? You know, Germany was the height of 
culture and 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 yet you know with 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 the advances they had in science and and music and art and yet they 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 went around murdering people millions of people which goes to show that uh technology and science and art and music is not going to save man from the inner barbaric uh, uh barbaric inclination you need the conscience of the jews on the world Mm. you know you think as a society we'd learn our lesson because we see what happens to societies as you see just as recently as germany and i think we have this even since then with communism and we see what starts happening when society becomes more secular and takes god out of the picture um, it really makes me realize why the significance of Hanukkah and celebrating it today, but understanding what we're celebrating is so important because, you know, society, it seems still hasn't learned its lesson. The world hasn't learned its lesson. What happens when God is taken out of the picture and the moral compass and value system that God has set up the world, as you point out, the very things that can build can absolutely destroy when there isn't, when there isn't some clear direction from God. Well, this is uh, one of the great miracles of uh, this generation that we have the land of Israel, we've got the modern state of Israel, we have an army. And uh, I don't think these type of things are going to ever happen again. Although there is still anti-Semitism. But I think, thank God, the Jewish people are able to fend for themselves better than ever. And so, uh, but yeah, and, and I, and I, you know what? I think there's two kinds of anti-Semitism. I think there's one anti-Semitism, which was Hitler's, which is the Jews are the conscience of the world and they're making everybody feel guilty and we want to party. And we don't want test. You know, when you want to be God, you got to get rid of his witnesses and Hitler wanted to be God. And so he's got to get rid of the Jews or God's witnesses. Uh, but I think there's another kind of anti-Semitism whereby we're meant to be a light into the nations. We're meant to be a source of blessing to all people. And I think there is uh, an anti-Semitism that's rooted in uh, the world feeling the Jews are not doing their job. So I think there's one kind, which is we don't like you doing your job. And I think there's a kind where they feel, hey, why are you not doing your job? We, 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 we want you to lead. And um, I, I, I read an uh, interview of a black rap artist who had a lot of uh, anti-Semitic lyrics in his music. And uh, they asked him, well, you know, so you hate Jews? He says, no, I don't hate Jews. He said, I just hate the ones that don't keep the Torah and the commandments. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was quite a famous rap star. And uh, so I'm wondering whether there isn't a, another kind of phenomena where the world is saying Jews testify to the existence of God and be that moral compass for the world. And Sion literally means a, um, a monument, you know, which is that when you go into a park and you see a monument of some great guy of what he contributed to the country, Sion is meant to be that the Jewish people in this modern state of Israel is meant to be a role model for the world to look up and, and, and emulate. 
we have to be living up to that because as you're pointing out, when we don't live up to our side of things, uh, people of the world look to us and um, realize we're not doing our job. And in a sense, you know, there's a problem when the world doesn't have God recognize that God is running the show and things run amok. But I think there's, you're pointing out, there can be an even bigger problem when God's people who are supposed to be a testament to God's presence in this world and God's uh, rules that he put into the world so that things can run smoothly and we don't self-destruct when we aren't doing our side of things that actually can create even more havoc than just the world at large. When we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone? I'm not afraid to offend you. Wow, look who's talking tough. One has to be tough to keep sane today. Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky. And I'm Bela Seabrow. And join us every Wednesday for The Definitive Wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment but actually destroy our freedoms. We are the No Wolf Zone, so buckle up for this exciting show. Buckling up, but I'm driving. (laughs) Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator. Tune in for the no-nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk. Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, getting a much deeper understanding of the holiday of Hanukkah. And as you're pointing out, there's, you know, Hanukkah really represents the importance and the significance of maintaining God's presence in this world. And as a Jewish nation living according to the values and being messengers to, we have to live according to God's values, but it's also about a certain moral climate that has to be in the world at large. Um, It's a message we're supposed to be sharing with the world. And I'm thinking it's, it is very interesting because Hanukkah is one of those holidays that is so cultural, meaning there's actually the way you're explaining it. It's very religious but it's oftentimes celebrated more as a cultural holiday. Even people who aren't necessarily that connected to God, but if they're connected to the concept of being Jewish in a more cultural way, will with gusto celebrate this holiday. And yet what's sort of ironic is, is that it's actually um, almost saying, you know, if you're only culturally connected, you're not necessarily living with religious ideals, then that's when the problems start. And that's really what Hanukkah represents. Well, you know, I, I have a feeling that, uh, first of all, Hanukkah, as well as Purim, uh, don't have days where you can't work. In other words, you know, all the other holidays are days where you can't work and there's various um, uh, rules in terms of not turning on lights and getting in your car. Uh, so all of that is not a problem on Purim and Hanukkah. So there's not those restrictions, but there seems to be just time for fun and family gathering. And I also think that people are, are very taken by, very proud of, you know, the military victory of the Jewish people, because there's too much of a feeling of, uh, you know, going as lambs to the slaughter in the Holocaust. So I think also there's, there's an attractive point there that Hanukkah is kind of macho, but the funny thing is, I mean, everybody's lighting the candles because it's beautiful, it's pretty. And I live in the old city of Jerusalem and thousands of people walk through the old city these eight days to take pictures of all the beautiful uh, lights and the different kinds of candelabras. It's very, very beautiful. But I think people are really missing 
what is the point of these lights? Because it's a miracle that was unnecessary. You know, like when they got to the temple and they wanted to light the candelabra and they found one canister of oil that lasted one day. Well, so what? You know, like the, the law says that if the entire temple is defiled, then you can use oil that's defiled. So they could have used the oil. And uh, so this was an unnecessary miracle, which is weird. I mean, miracles we know about is splitting of the sea, which is a necessary miracle. The Jewish people are at the shore of the sea. The Egyptians are hot on their tail, ready to annihilate them. And uh, well, if, if, if this sea doesn't split, this is the end of the Jewish people. So those kind of miracles that are essential, that are necessary for survival, uh, we understand. But this is this uh, miracle is pretty ludicrous. It's it's a it's a luxury miracle. You know, it's a, it's kind of we're being pampered here with this miracle. And I think because there's a deep message to that again against the way the Greeks thought, uh, because. You know, we say anera talalu kodesh hem ein lanu rishut lishdemeshbehem. These candles are holy, and we can't use them. And that is a very beautiful uh, lesson to remember. There's certain things in this world that are not here for your human use. They're holy, and we just look at them. And and when what does it mean we can't use them? You can't sit in front of your Hanukkah candles and read to their light. That's why there's an extra candle called the shamish, which is really literally means the candle for use. So just in case somebody is reading something, it's from that candle. But it's a very interesting law here. And it would, it's, and it's very disturbing uh, in the world that things are valuable that, that it cannot be used. Like, you know, um, for instance, Hitler, he uh, didn't just murder Jews. He murdered mentally ill people. Uh, and it was logical. You know, these people can't do anything. Uh, they're probably suffering. Uh, they're, they're, they're costing the taxpayer a lot of money. There's nothing utilitarian about them. They're not useful. So we get rid of it. You know, the Greeks couldn't stand the very concept of the temple because there's nothing useful. It's just a big money. Uh, it, it just eats up money. you got these Jews coming and bringing sacrifices. What a waste. Like there's nothing useful here. It's not a means to our ends. And, and this is a very deep message over here is, 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 does everything have to be a means to our human ends for it to have value? And that's what makes something holy, that it's not a means to an end, it's an end into itself. And so the fact that God did something that we don't need is a very holy thing to do, and it's called love. How do you know somebody loves you? It's when they give you what you need, but they also give you what they, you don't need. Like imagine it's your birthday and your husband buys you socks. Like, you know, socks, I need socks. You, you want your husband to buy you something that you could live without, but it's, it's very nice to have 
in your life. You know, like the symbol of a, of a wedding is the man gives the, the, the bride a diamond ring, you know, which could cost thousands and thousands of dollars, which seems like one big waste because what are you going to do with it? You're not going to cut glass with it. It's, it is really a sign of something that's completely useless. It's just there to look at, but it's not usable. And when we get married and the groom says to the bride, Hari Atmikudeshitli, you are holy to me, which means you're not here for my use. You know, I will never use you. I remember my daughter, my, not my, my sister was on a date and um, the guy said to her, do you like to cook? She said, no. Ah, do you like to clean? She said, no. Huh. Do you like to do laundry? I'm not joking. This guy says this to my sister. Goodness. She says, no. So she says, can I ask you a question? So sure. Says, is this a job interview? Because I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for, a, you know, a, a life partner. So that's using somebody. And in Jewish tradition, the man tells the woman, I will not use you. You are not here to be my, you know, my plaything. You are not here to be my, my, for my use. You are an end. You are not a means. And that's why human relations is, is holy. Because when you use people and you look at people as a means to an end, then you have undermined the fact that human beings are holy beings. So, so the, the, the candle, is, this miracle is again a very strong message against the values of the Greeks, which is constantly looking to see how anything is useful and only things that are necessary exist. But are there things that are in the world that are not necessary and they're just kind of like diamond rings from God as a sign of love? You know, for instance, Friday night, uh, when we do what's called Kiddush, we sanctify the, um, the Shabbat. So there's wine on the table and bread. And we are instructed to cover the bread and make a blessing on the wine and then make a blessing on the bread. And we're taught that we cover the bread because the bread is embarrassed. Because really the bread should be blessed first and then the wine. Uh, well, I've actually looked underneath that cover and I can tell you, the bread did not turn red. It is not blushing. It's not, what does it mean that it's embarrassed? You see, bread represents that which I need. It's a staple in life. It's like water, bread and water. Wine is a luxury. We could live without it. I'm sure there's some people here thinking, what's wrong with that rabbi? But we, we can live without it. And on Shabbat, when we're celebrating holiness, we first make a blessing on that which we don't need before we make a blessing on that which we need. Of course, a person should first make a blessing on what you need and then make a blessing on a luxury because we should obviously have our priorities straight. We shouldn't be investing in luxuries before the, the necessities of life. But on Shabbat, when we're celebrating the holiness, we're celebrating the fact that creation is unnecessary. God didn't have to create this world. God doesn't need to create this world. This world is not an ends to God's, is not a means to God's end. This world is an end. God created the world as an act of love. 
not because he needed a world. And again, these are ideas that are, were offensive to the culture and the philosophy of the Greeks, that, that, that something luxurious as this uh, would, you know, be... So, so having these candles that we can't use, having a temple that is not a means to an end, uh, you know, that's illogical. And yet love is illogical. That's true. So this is sure. a holiday where God does for us what, what we don't need. And we return that favor, so to speak, because legally, according to our law, you, uh, uh, you only need to light one candle. But we go beyond what we need to do. And we light eight candles. I mean, every day we add a candle uh, during the eight days until the last day has eight candles. And we go even beyond the letter of the law and we have everybody in the family have their own candelabra, their own set of candles. And so we do more than we have to do. We do what we want to do beyond the responsibility, beyond the obligation. And that is the celebration of Hanukkah as a, as a holiday of love. Hmm. And it's such a powerful insight and perspective, especially as we're looking at those candles and lighting those candles to really feel God's love and be conscious of it and realize how much throughout time and history, the nation has felt love. And even in our personal lives, feeling God's love. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.